We are Power Crystals. Conversations with Jason Perez and Leah Garza. Getting cute. Critical and and metaphysical. Hi everybody. Um, how are you doing, Jason? I'm good. Happy to be back in the studs. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just Leah's car. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's going on with you? Um, you know, just here, there, living my best power crystal life. Did you have a power crystal moment this week? I did. It was unexpected, and it was not glamorous. Well, uh, first of all, what is a power crystal <laughs> moment? It's just a moment where you have to really be in touch with your own power and do something difficult or amazing, or where you surprise yourself with how in the flow you can be, mm. I think. So yeah. um, I talked to a friend who I hadn't talked to in a while, who I was maybe avoiding, or they were avoiding me, mm. <laughs> and it was an uncomfortable conversation, but we did it, so that took power Yeah, to stop writing from it. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I have, I think my, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. Well, I mean, I guess I'll just mention this. Like, last week we had to put our dog to sleep. And we've had him for 10 years. And I have lost other people like my dad. And I had this. I actually want to ask you later about this off off the, off the mic. Um, have this irrational fear that if I witness someone dying, that I will also die. And I know that doesn't make sense logically, but I, like when my dad died, the hospice nurse was like, it's going to be any minute now. And then I ran out of the room because I didn't feel it. I was like, I don't know how to explain it. The way I've been telling, describing it to people is like, you know, in the old Willy Wonka, when they're on that like vehicle and they get splashed by all this foam Mm -hmm. and they're screaming and they're like really upset and. Willy Wonka's singing and then they go through this like point on the ride where they come out the other end start coming out the other end and they're totally clean mm-hmm. I felt like that's like how I visualize like the moment of death oh. and I ha- was having these like crazy thoughts like when my dad died that I wasn't going to come out the other end like I would somehow go with him or something mm-hmm. and so it came up again with Lenny and I was having a really hard time because I know that I had to be in the room for Lenny because Lenny, all he cared about was that we were with him. So like I knew that we had to be there with him when this happened, like the most, I don't know, maybe scary moment of his life. I didn't want to leave him alone, 
But also at the same time, I had this irrational fear that I wouldn't survive it. In a, and I know it, that doesn't make sense. But so beside all the terrible parts of like having to put our dog to sleep, I survived it. And I had this moment of clarity, like even in the room while I'm like bawling and going nuts, I had this like moment of clarity that was like, I could do this. I could... I could have another dog and go through this again. I could, I can, I'm, I could handle my mom's death or my, if a friend died, like I could do this. And it was, that was very empowering for me, Mm. despite all the, I know that that is, I I feel like that must be based in like a past life or something that doesn't, because that fear is, it doesn't make sense. It's totally illogical, but yeah. Yeah. I never heard anyone say it like that. Yeah. But it sounds like you're, you feel like you know how to hold space for someone in transition in that way now. Maybe. It's funny because when I came back on Monday to work, I, um, you know, <laughs> at work I pulled a card. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what deck it was, but I pulled a card and I was thinking like, how am I going to get over Lenny? Like, how do I work with this? Like, what do I do? And the card I pulled was initiation it said initiation and I was like shut up card I don't know what that means like (laughs) come on and so I just put the deck down and then the other night I was out with a friend and we went to a place that had decks and I was just messing with one deck and I thought of the same question like what do I do about Lenny and I pulled a card and in that deck the initiation card came up again so I don't I'm just like, not trying to read too much into it, because I think that's all silly when people get like, what does it mean? But then, and I saw triangles. What does that mean? And like, you know, like, people get all, <laughs> read so much into it. I was just like, okay, if this is a, something I need to know, then just let it be known to me instead of trying to search it. But, yeah. Hmm. That was my power crystal moment. That's a big one. Yeah. It feels big. Yeah. Somebody made up, somebody, um, oh, our friend Nairi said to me, it sounds like Lenny was death doula-ing you. Wow. Like, Lenny's transition was helping me. Um, okay. I feel like it's often the case when people are very ill that somehow they are still giving a lot of care to people who are who will survive them. Yeah. Um, Which sounds so exhausting. Yeah. But I don't think it's a conscious caregiving. No. I mean, it wasn't with Lenny. He's a dog. He's not. And it feels like they have to, like, (laughs) hold back their fear of death or, like, expressing it or... Yeah. Things like that. But to, like, normalize what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of revelations about death and grief so we definitely need to do a part two. Oh, speaking of which i've been using my selenite sword for grief mm. like just holding it near me yeah selenite's been helping me a lot and also archangel michael yeah is like my grief go-to person angel but i'm feeling good yeah you look good thanks 
Going natural with the hair. <laughs> it's very, you give me young Yogananda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, we're not laughing at Yogananda. I just have a joke that I know it's time for me to get a haircut when my hair starts looking a little like grown out frizzy Yogananda hair. Google Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda if you want to know what I'm talking about. It's not a joke on Yogananda, just on my hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god So what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about Protection and safety Over yeah. here At the shop um, A lot of people come in looking for They'll say protection I need something for protection mm-hmm. What protects me Yeah So then You kind of I feel like we dig a little deeper Like protection from what? Yeah like, Someone yeah. harassing you? Are you feeling tired? Spirits. Like, spirits yeah. harassing you? Curses. Curses. Mm-hmm. Um, Mal de ojo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> in our Power Crystals class, we talked about, like, what do people need protection from? Mm-hmm. What is making them feel vulnerable? And then teasing protection a little bit to uncover that it's really about creating a sense of safety. Yeah. I have a lot of clients that come to me that, so like in the, in the, some of my sessions we'll do digging into core um, subconscious beliefs or limiting beliefs that you maybe can't access that are kind of driving the car of your life. And Mm. one of those is feeling unsafe. Like, I have clients that are like, I don't know. I just, everywhere I go, I feel unsafe. And so my first question is always like, have you ever been assaulted? Have you ever Mm -hmm. been, you know, experienced violence or like been ambushed or, you know, home invasion or something that would warrant this belief? And most people are like, no, never. That's why I don't know why I feel this. But I'm always, you know, double and triple checking my doors before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I'm always like on alert. And then my second thing is like, are you a woman or a femme? Because society makes it unsafe. But even beyond that, like people, so often I find that people bring ancestral beliefs of unsafety or past life beliefs of unsafety into the current life. And it feels as real as if you experience something unsafe yourself. What's an example of a belief from a past life? Well, so it would be like a core experience. So like like someone someone's core belief is maybe their limiting belief is I am unsafe mm. or I am unprotected or which underneath that is a sense like in, in metaphysical anatomy, we would dig under that belief and we would find that there's a sense of either helplessness or powerlessness. That's a core root trauma. Right. And um, we can like with the Akashic records. So I like put all these modalities together and use the ones that are necessary for each person. But with the Akashic Records, they can show us like, oh, this isn't even yours. This is from a past life. This is like, you know, there was an experience where you were assaulted or you were killed or your family had to flee or, you know, something. And you've carried that that trauma, the, so it's, s- the sense of the trauma into this life. Yeah. So it's deeper than a memory because mm-hmm. you don't remember it. You don't remember it. It's but just, have, it lives in the body. But it, yeah. sh- it shapes your yeah your view, the way you yeah. move in the world. And the same thing with ancestral. So many, many people have lineages 
um, in slavery. And so that trauma, which is intergenerational, it can last for many generations and is deeply, deeply disempowering, can definitely um, travel through your ancestry into your current life. And part of that can be the feeling of unsafety, among other, you know, limiting beliefs that you might still be holding from that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really deep. Yeah, it is. I'm curious as to how you, like, pieced all that together. Like, when did you start realizing, like, oh, wow, this is, like, a pattern of, like, deep-seated beliefs? The Akashic Record... I'm sorry. Got a little noise in the background there. The Akashic Records just tell me. Oh. I don't really have to piece much together. They just straight up tell me. Like, most people have multiple past lives in agriculture because for a very long history of the earth there was no like industrialization yeah i feel like i was working with you i think we we're doing theta and like i had a i was a farmer yeah <laughs> on like slip mountain mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people that i work with are yeah they're farmers or in agriculture or they're like just uh yeah rural people country living in the country um simply because yeah, the bulk of our history of humankind is before industrialization. Um, a lot of people that I work with also have like shipping lives, like shipping. working like... in ships or like navigating on ships, oh. working um, or like pi- pirate, pirating, pirates. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, um, but I get a lot of that too. And you, you kind of, it kind of makes me wonder, like, Leah, are you just, is this like your thing that you have like an obsession with or something? And when I took the class with Linda Howe last year, she validated that like most people have, are going to have multiple past lives in these times because that's the bulk of humankind's history was like using these non-industrial Modes of transportation, Mm. non-industrial lifestyles, like, yeah. What, how do we want to get into protection and safety? What is protection exactly? So is it a matter of, when I think of like locking your door, there's like an iron door, a wood door. So it's like creating barriers between your immediate self and the outside world. Yeah. So if you're working with like, oh, I want this candle to protect me. It's mm-hmm. another barrier mm-hmm. along with a crystal and some salt or whatever. Mm-hmm. So is protection just a matter of like creating distance between yourself and things you cannot control? Yeah. Like the outside world? Yeah. That's kind of what safety is. But in creating safety for your physical body, I feel like you're... It's like a move of isolation also. Mm. If you're creating psychic distance between yourself and everyone else... I feel like that leaves your mind vulnerable then. Mm. I don't know. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by... Like, if you're creating psychic distance, what does that mean? Uh, like, establishing all these layers between yourself and the outside world. Like, energetic layers? Energetic and, like, literal. Like, oh. I lock my door, I'm gonna yeah. be under this blanket. Roll up my windows. Yeah. yeah. So, you're safe, alone, 
yeah. no one is harassing you or touching yeah. you or whatever. No one can bind you. I just don't feel like that translates to to safety or like your belief systems around it. Your belief systems. It feels like a danger to be that alone for your mental health. For sure. Are you protected if you have all these layers between you? Yeah. If you have all that distance between yourself and other humans or the world? Yeah. So I guess I just want to complicate, like, protection as... Yeah. As borders. Yeah. That's interesting because... (laughs) I didn't think I was going to go there, but... That's like um, a function or a an outcome of modernism mm. in that m- modernity, you know, the period of enlightenment, like scientism, all that, you know, the enlightenment age, all that stuff created um, the notion of individualism. Mm-hmm. And the notion of individualism, which we like perform today, is the belief that like, we're separate from each other mm-hmm. and it's what prevents us to from like it's what destroyed communal living it, tribal living mm-hmm. denigrated like you know indigenous people like that belief you know and but it is like incredibly toxic to to believe that you are completely alone yeah it also is like um a f- fallacy it's it's not true because you know like the law of oneness universal law of oneness says that we are all connected to the one we were we are all in in you know like the the our singular individual body is an illusion because after this body you know expires we go back to our natural connection to everything that is mm-hmm. which is a foundation Individualism is a foundation of colonialism. <laughs> but it's like, if if being alone wasn't so dangerous for our mental health and our physical health, our government would not use solitary confinement as like mm-hmm. a device to break people mm-hmm. in prisons. You know, mm-hmm. they know, they know that it is really harmful to live in isolation. Yeah. So that is a good, that's a good um, way to kind of like unpack what people are looking for when they look for protection. Are they looking for the buffer between themselves and something other out there? Yeah. Yeah. But at the core of that still to me is... There's a sense of powerlessness, mm-hmm. which is not, I'm not blaming anyone when I say that. I'm not saying like, oh, it's because they need to fix their powerlessness. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But like, you will, you don't, when you're in your power around something, you're not looking for ways to protect yourself necessarily from, you know, like you can tell when someone is totally confident and comfortable. Yeah. Like... Like someone who, if you're working at a coffee shop and you're like, oh, that person just left their purse and their computer to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you're like, they just must be really co- like confident and comfortable. Like that. Whereas like a person that's bringing some like safety baggage in would be like, pack everything up. Like, or ask someone to watch my stuff or like, cause I'm unsafe. That's going to be taken from me if I, yeah, yeah. you know. So 
I feel like it's what is your view of the world or what are your like beliefs mm. about yourself in the world yeah and whether you're creating up these walls yeah. these these borders yeah there is a need to like have boundaries for yourself and in, in like maintaining your own safety um but boundaries is very different from from borders from barriers yes you need boundaries to to move in the world yeah because you're deciding like what is okay for yeah yeah for yourself to experience yes um, boundaries have a really bad connotation I think in our you think so in discourse in our society yeah I think people find it the word boundaries feels cold mm. it feels sterile it feels unloving it feels I think for most people when you start the discussion around boundaries in your life it's because you've been forced to finally put mm. up boundaries mm-hmm. and a lot of people have issues with why would you make me say no to you? Why couldn't you have just read the read the cues yeah. and understood I didn't want to do it, but instead you put me in this situation of discomfort where I have to put up a boundary right, with you. Right. And I think that's uh, irritating, mm-hmm. irritating for people. But, and I always like tell people like, if you are good at putting up boundaries, but you still feel like mad about it you still have a boundary issue because boundaries in and of themselves are neutral right i think a good way to look at boundaries is to look at your skin the Mm. the organ of your skin which i think is an organ is like the biggest organ in your body but it's literally only there to protect your insides it's a boundary but it doesn't like bristle at being a boundary it doesn't have like an emotional like there's no it's totally a neutral aspect of yourself. Right. Yeah. I'm having an experience where I'm looking at your skin, but not at you. Oh. <laughs> your skin is a casing for yeah. your fleshy bits. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's really yeah. crazy. Like, imagine if we didn't have, if we didn't have our skin, we would not survive our environment. Mm-hmm. And our body is... A boundary or protection, a shell for like our consciousness. Mm. It's just boundaries are everywhere. They're like like the two the double yellow stripes on the street when we're driving is a boundary, and we don't get mad at that because if we didn't have, we've all seen those Instagram videos of like New York in 1909, and there's no like <laughs> cars just going anyway, and a woman's walking here, and like that is the picture of chaos and unsafe to me. Like, when I look at those. Yeah. Hmm. Do barriers connotate chaos? Like, are they implying potential chaos? I don't know about chaos, but I think they're implying danger. Yeah. Because, so when we were preparing for this episode, you had mentioned the wall being that this freaking president wants to create and I mean you could look at like what all the implications that he's trying to you know say about Mm -hmm. asylum seekers people wanting to cross from the southern countries um basically that there's danger Mm then we're protecting ourselves he wants 
this wall to stand as a protective measure against danger. Okay, so do, like, grand... It doesn't... It just feels like a gesture, like... Yeah. Cause it's, it's totally, like, ideological, like, it's yeah. not... It's a totally <laughs> obsolete <laughs> yeah. concept. So, yeah. like, are is the gesture of building literal walls and borders and, like, having, like, 20 locks in your door, is that really an attempt to, like... I want to say, like, is that, like, a grasp for power? Like, some sort of... Like, using the external world to, like, grasp your power. Yeah. To, like, I have power because I can lock my door and build this yeah. wall. So, for sure. But it's yeah. really, like, hinting at this, like, huge, like, vulnerability... Sense of vulnerability. Totally, totally. And, like... Yeah. Vulnerability is not bad, but there... It feels like there's a judgment on that vulnerability. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, it's powerlessness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you grasp for power if you're already in your power. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are fully, like, in your power, which, how can we break down what that even means? There's not a need to assert that. And I think that's, like, where we understand power to mean a sense of self-love and self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Because it's when you are in that, you don't need to harm others with your grasp for power, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I also have heard... Well, there's also a sense of, like, not wanting to be affected by the, by the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Not wanting... Which I think is, like, another way to, to hunker down on your power that nothing can change you, that no influences, that you're not a part of the flow of the world, that you're not, you won't be changed if you put up these barriers, these walls. Mm. And I think that is definitely something that this president's trying to do to this country is say that we can't, we won't be influenced by other people or cultures or, yeah. Wow. What a metaphor. It's sad. It is. It is. It is. It is really sad. I have a friend that um, we talk about. What would it mean to decolonize property? And he's like, no one could. No one would own property. And I was like, I, in theory, <laughs> agree. And we don't own property anyway. We temporarily exchange money around property until we die, and then you know. We don't own own property. Um, but then it's like, do we own anything? But anyway. Um, but I also am like, well, I don't want to just like, I don't want that to mean just any person could find my apartment and be like, I'm going to camp out here now because no one owns this. And no yeah. one, not that I, I don't own my apartment, but like that I don't have ownership over that space or something. I, I don't know. I think about that all the time. Like, but what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, While we're talking about, like, barriers, like, I think of Wakanda. Like, Mm. it had, like, something really cool going. Yeah, but it was, Mm. like, literally invisible to the world. Yeah. But it, in the context of that story, like, it really served to, like, I don't know, help them thrive. Yeah. So. That is a really good counterpoint 
And if the United States was as special as Wakanda, I would be like, build the freaking walls, build the invisible force fields. But we benefit so much from outside influence, you know, like. Right. But like in Wakanda, they like were very reflective on like, how do we want to be in the world? Yeah. We know we have this incredible resource. Yeah. They have like a good moral compass. Yeah. And they're like, how do we... There was, like, a longing to, like, be yeah. involved in the world. Yeah. Like, to sh- like a desire to share. Yeah. But uh, also to understand people, the resource of who they right. are. The preciousness of who they are. And the flip side was, like, no, we're, like, the world is dangerous. Like, we're going to be exploited. Like, yeah. Like, we can't save them. That's not our responsibility. Yeah. So it was, like, a really big conflict. Yeah. That is interesting. And I think at the core of Wakanda was, like definitely a sense of like I don't think that they were disempowered but there's a sense of unsafety that we have to put up this boundary because it will be destroyed if other Mm -hmm. people have access to us Mm -hmm. yeah so it's I I think also like one of the things we want to talk about later on this podcast is the concept of healing and just like what it means to want to release things because I'm not talking about when I think of safety and and protection I'm not thinking that people need to let go of unsafe like obviously I want people to feel comfortable in their lives and not have to always be looking over their backs and if I can help them with my services I will but that it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing if you have a sense of unsafety right or that you feel like you need protection it's it's not it's neither good nor bad I think like one of the things that we encounter is when people cross that boundary into like paranoia or where it becomes where their quality of life is is lessened because of their constant need to protect themselves Um, so now we're going to get into practices which we (laughs) hope to do every episode so that if you're struggling with whatever or you're experiencing I don't want to say struggle if you're experiencing whatever it is the topic that we're talking about is that you could have some takeaways I'm going to give you three things that I use when I feel unsafe or that when I feel like I need protection um, I am first and foremost I do belief work above and beyond any crystal or candle or tool or trinket I believe our I know that our beliefs are the most powerful thing that we have working for us or against us so I urge people if you're feeling unsafe around something or if you're feeling like you need protection to dig into why like let's say you need protection I need protection from my neighbor okay why what does your neighbor do what's the worst thing that would happen if this Mm. thing that you're afraid of came true and start digging down. I do digging work with clients um, to find those core limiting beliefs that are hiding out in our bodies or in our subconscious. But finding out why. And ultimately, a limiting belief is born out of an unneed, an unmet need. So if you can find what that need is and try to meet it for yourself, I can't guarantee, but I feel very strongly that the limiting belief will lose its power. So let's Mm. say your fear of your neighbor is rooted in like, um, you know, 
and I'm afraid that he's going to steal from me and what would happen if he stole from me then um, I would be left with nothing okay what does that feel like it feels like I'm powerless okay so then you dig into like when when was the earliest time that you felt powerless in your life and you just allow whatever comes to you um, to be and then you ask yourself, what do I, what did I need then that I wasn't getting that made me feel powerless? What do I need now that I'm not getting that makes me feel powerless? Mm-hmm. And how can I give that to myself? And one of the most critical things about that process is to not judge what your needs are and to do it. So if your need is like, I need to, I need to just move, but that seems crazy. I don't have the money to do it. You make up all these reasons start investigating moving like if that really is going to meet your need but maybe the need is i need to go talk to this neighbor and find out what they're about because i don't know them um or maybe i need to call a friend or maybe i need you know maybe it's even like i need to change my diet whatever it is you need to listen to yourself so beliefs are the first one speaking and vocalizing saying the thing that you feel afraid of is really uh, uh like speaking um and i guess this is Mm kind of like casting a spell a Mm -hmm. little bit so like when i i do a lot of clearing work for people and for myself and when i feel like things have attached i will say literally like out loud like leave my space or leave my body you don't have permission to be attached to me like i'll say these like obviously i'm not gonna like go into a grocery store and say these things super loud because you know well (laughs) i mean i would i i'll do whatever but i'm just saying like I'm reasonable. I'm not like, yeah. But like, if you feel like there's something in your space, something etheric, something uh, non-physical, speak to it. It's your space. The boundaries that we put up in our real physical lives are the same boundaries we need to put up in the etheric world. Just because, and I think a lot of people come and they're like, ah, I don't, you know, I don't know how to. I feel powerless to like this ghost. And I'm like, well, then you must feel powerless in your real life too. Mm. It's the same boundary. It's the same boundary. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing I use is visualization. That's probably my most powerful thing. So um, like the Wakanda, like force field, you can visualize yourself in a clear bubble. And I make myself invisible when I go places. I have, I visualize um, protection bubbles around my home um, and they freaking work because I've seen um, entities come straight up to my door, but then they can't cross the barrier. Um, I had a dream the other night that um, I was in our guest room, which is on the second floor, and there's nothing outside. So no one could be standing outside of our window there. But I looked out the window and there was a guy looking at me laughing. And uh. I immediately, even before I woke up from the dream, I started putting up a visualization of like gold light and then violet light um, to protect me, to, to build that, just to reinforce that bubble around our house. And then I woke up and I continued to do it. But like visualization, creating a bubble, I always tell people envision that um, stomach in a Pepto-Bismol commercial <laughs> and how the Pepto-Bismol <laughs> just coats the sides of the stomach. Envi- envision like your space pulling down white light, gold light, or um, violet light, whichever one resonates with you, and covering your entire space like that Pepto-Bismol with a light and, and really intending it to work. Mm. So those are my, my things. How about you? Yeah. One of mine was working with the violet flame, mm-hmm. considered the flame of transmutation. Mm-hmm. So 
to couple it with your visualization. What I do like every night before I go to bed is imagine this giant cube of violet light like descending onto my mm. property, wherever I'm at, whatever room I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll just ask it to, to transmute or disarm mm. anything that's like attempting to mm. hurt or harm me or derail me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Works really well. And it's something like super simple. Yeah. And then another one, Rue, Ruda, mm. the plant. So it's known as the herb of grace. Some people, some people consider it like a prosperity plant, but I feel like it's, for me, like I use it more for relying it more for protection. Mm-hmm. So last year when I was having crazy fights with my dad's wife to bury him, our, the, the battle was so, it felt like a battle, like so mm. toxic. My Ruda plant, who I have a really good relationship with, started turning so brown and like black. Oh. Like whole branches were just dying off. Oh. And um, so I have it right by my door at my house. And I was so busy I didn't notice it. Um, but it was still getting water- watered, whatever. Yeah. And after that was done, I was like, whoa, this plant was taking such oh. huge energetic hits for me. It was like absorbing your yeah. stuff. And um, I only know that because we have, like, I have, it's like one of my relationships in life with that plant. Um, and I ask it to help me in that way. So it was doing its thing, turning brown. And the weather was very similar to how it is right now. Mm. And it's thriving now. Like, mm. it's so lush, it's so green, the leaves are perky. That's cool. So tender. Um, so that was really. Uh, showed me the power and beauty of that plant. Mm. Um, another, like a crystal. Um, this one is known as triastolite. I feel like it's more uncommon, but it has an X on it. And um, one of our customers told me about it. And it's just like very protective, like mm. sets boundaries. And also takes energetic hits. So that one, I notice it's getting like some really deep cracks in it now. Because mm. it's also working. Yeah. Um, so when you're working with plants or crystals, I just ask them to like either transmute or disarm or digest any uh, energy that is not for my highest good. Mm-hmm. And then leave it up to them as like if you want to send it back to that person or digest it yourself. Or send it up to the light or down to the earth um yeah. like do your thing like i trust you so it's like a real there's a safety in partnerships um, i feel and partnering with those plants and crystals mm-hmm. really works for me yeah that's cool yeah um it seems like that stone is like kind of shamanic you think so yeah that's interesting um i want to just throw one more thing in yeah uh, the other thing that I didn't realize, and I, I'm not an angel person. I'm not like one of those like. Leah, I can see your wings though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I feel like angels are like very like, granny churchy. You know, like I've always like just not resonated with like you know, pray to the angel. You know, like angel. I just I don't know, but Archangel Michael. Oh yeah. Is the protector of earth he works with everyone if you want him to even if you don't want him to i feel like he's there but i have 
like he's been for like the last three years showing up in my meditation showing up like in spaces where I go into like totally un and not un, I don't want to say uninvited but uninvoked like I don't call him in mm-hmm. before I even knew who he really was he started showing up and he would be like on my right on my left side and I would only see his profile because he'd be like in my periphery and if I tried to look at him like in meditation he would move with me so I couldn't like <laughs> ever look at him but when I like when I see him, he's, like, super ancient looking. He's mm. not wearing a shirt. And he has, like, scars everywhere. Oh. And he has, like, these really old, like, rudimentary, like, old tools. Like, hammers and axes and stuff. Um, like, weapons. And I have learned that he comes when I need protection. And so I, I'll even call him in, like, when I woke up from that dream that time I called him in and just and and he shows up as like first a column of, of golden light for me and then um, I can like hone in on seeing his like image or him, himself there but he works with everyone so if that resonates with you you should call him in yeah one thing I like to do with Michael is like I'll say thank you Michael for surrounding me with your million swords and shields Oh, wow. And, like, you could do add-ons, like, um, yeah. uh, thank you for starting with your swords and shields and only allowing the highest vibrations of love to reach me. Oh, I love that. So, that's, like, it's a it's a boundary, not a border. Yeah. Like, yeah. only beautiful things can reach you. Yeah. Yeah, it's permeable. <laughs> yeah. love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, I have, mm, met entities that are not necessarily felt safe to me and in like through the Akashic Records which I want to put a caveat that like that's not what the Akashic Records in through the Pathway Prayer that you don't reach things like that is a very high vibrational practice but I do some exploring (laughs) (laughs) and I I have come in contact with other beings that are not bad beings, but they just don't, you know, it's like when you go to a party and you're like, I don't know, like, you're fine. I'm not going to, you're you're not causing yeah. a threat to me, but I just feel like you're kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, just that kind of feeling. Um, Michael shows up and I can um, ask him to expand his light and he'll push beings away from me with this light. Mm. It's really amazing. So I encourage you to, even if that sounds silly or you're like, I don't like angels, that's totally cool. But if you feel like you're a little bit interested, I would recommend doing a meditation and asking to meet him or just visualizing him, burning a candle for him, um, inviting him into your space because he is only protective and loving. Yeah. And he's powerful. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. I think there's a lot, still a lot more to be said, but yes, it's uh, I, there's a lot of untied ends. Yeah, um, for sure, and that's okay. But we don't want to make every episode like two hours, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna end it here. <laughs> so if you want to reach us, if you want to share your thoughts on on protection and safety, you can contact us through Instagram. You can send us a DM at We Are Power Angels. Power. <laughs> <laughs> we 
are power crystals. We also have a power crystals email now, don't we? Yeah, we are power crystals at gmail.com. That's right. We are power crystals at gmail.com. You can contact me, Leah, through Instagram at um, crystals of Altamira or send me an email at crystals of Altamira at gmail.com. How can they get to you? Yeah, hit me up on IG, the Victory Sun, yeah. S O N, and we'll see what's up. Yeah. See you next time, you guys. Thank you. Bye.